0: So this weekend is the final part of the Resolution Series, and what we're actually going to do is we're going to do a prequel, okay? I figure if Star Wars can do a prequel, so can the church. So we're going to do a prequel this week with regards to everything we're going to be talking about over the next six or seven weeks as we enter into this series uh, and get ready to talk about this guy named Joseph. And I just want to make sure that we're all... Kind of on the same page as we get ready to take a step into a journey that for me is unbelievably personal. Because basically, I'm just going to be preaching about about my own personal journey over the next six or seven weeks. And to invite you into that journey, I'm going to say this. If you've ever wondered, just once in your lifetime, where is God in the midst of this? You're going to love this series. If your family's weird, you're going to love this series. If anyone in your family ever married sisters, had an affair with more than one person who worked for your family, or married someone without actually knowing the identity of the bride, you might be a redneck. And you're going to love this series, okay? If you've ever felt that your parents loved your brother or sister more than they love you, you're going to love this series. If you've ever just felt misunderstood, you're going to love this series. If you have a nice coat, You're gonna love this series. If you've ever felt that your life could be summed up with the word pit, you're gonna absolutely love this series. If you've ever had somebody just sell you out and you had no idea why, you're gonna love this series. If you've ever been falsely accused of something you did not do and it cost you something, you're actually gonna love this series. If you've ever been tempted sexually, you're gonna love this series. If you've ever been tempted ethically, you're going to love the next six or seven weeks. If you've ever been in jail, you're going to love this series. If you should have been in jail, you're going to love this series. If you have been inexplicably blessed, out of, it just came out of nowhere. You didn't see it coming, you didn't plan on it, Just all of a sudden, blessing poured out in your life. You're going to love this series. If you've ever used a spiritual gift correctly, you're going to love this series. If you've ever used a spiritual gift incorrectly, you're going to love this series. If you dislike Egypt, you're going to love this series. Okay? If you've ever dreamed of revenge, you're going to love this series. If you've ever had it within your power to exact revenge against somebody who hurt you, you're going to love this series. If you've ever forgiven somebody who didn't deserve it, you're going to love this series. If you've ever had a moment... When you felt like at the worst moment of your life, God came and sat right beside you and said, you're going to make it. You're absolutely going to fall in love with what we're going to talk about over the next six or seven weeks. Over the next six to seven weeks, we're going to walk alongside of a man named Joseph. And this is what I know about this man named Joseph because I've been studying him for months. This is what I know and how he applies to each one of you. At the very best moment of your entire life, your life was never as good as Joseph's was. At the worst moment of your life, when it couldn't get any worse. You need to know this. Your life was not as bad as Joseph's God. All of us are going to find Him on that continuum. All of us are going to find ourselves relating to Him. We're going to learn about the dangers of playing favorites in a family. We're going to learn what to do with a heart that desperately wants revenge against somebody that hurt us. We're going to learn what to do when it appears that God has forgotten us. Not for a couple months, but for years at a time. We're going to learn what to do with a bad family system. But more importantly than anything, we're going to learn about Jesus because He wrote this story of intrigue and passion and lost hope and regained hope And we're going to find out whether or not we have the spiritual courage to be able to get to a point after we've experienced the highs and the lows of life and still be able to say this to people who may have hurt us very deeply. We're going to find out if we've got the spiritual courage to look that kind of person in the eye and say what you intended for evil, God intended for good. And I'm going to stick with God. That's what we're working on. My hope and prayer in this series is that we all get to experience some forgiveness for the past, some hope for the future, and I want to start off this year with a soul recovery series because of the words of G.K. Chesterton. If you ever get to read anything written by G.K. Chesterton, one of my favorite non-biblical authors, he said this, the object of a new year is not that we should have a new year, it is that we should have a new soul. So we're shooting for a new soul here in the next six to seven weeks. Every person in this room has a backstory. The family you were born into has a huge influence on who you are today, but I want to remind you of something. They do not define you. Your father, your grandfather, and your great-grandfather do not define you. Your grandma, or your mom, your grandma, and your great-grandma, they don't define you as a person. We learned this during the Christmas season. We looked at the family tree of Jesus, which the Bible actually calls a stump, not a tree, because of how messed up it was, and we learned something. If the family tree of Jesus can be used by God to create the Messiah, then we have no excuse. None of us have an excuse. You could come from the most broken family system in the entire world. You have no excuse because you have an opportunity to completely change the course and the direction of your life based on the fact that God is with you you we've got no excuse joseph had a messed up family tree too joseph's father was a guy named jacob and i just want to kind of unpack the prequel because i want you to know who joseph was and where he came from before we start dealing with him okay this is what you need to know about joseph's dad jacob first point in your outline is this jacob was a mama's boy okay genesis 27 tells us a story that jacob's mom okay so remember so this would be joseph's grandma Jacob's mom actually helped him steal his brother's birthright and his blessing. Okay, it's a crazy story. I'd encourage you all through the series, when we're done each week, go back home, open your Bible. We'll be somewhere between Genesis 27-ish and Genesis 52-ish, somewhere in there. Read the story and find out whether or not I'm lying to you or not. could be wise for you to do, right? I mean, for all you know, I'm just stringing stories together and picking them out of the air. But in Genesis 27, it tells us that Jacob's mom helped him steal his brother's birthright and his blessing. It's a crazy story. A mom helps her younger son rip off her older son. It's a story where a mom helps her baby boy take advantage of her husband's poor eyesight. She actually helps take advantage of his disability so that the older kid gets completely ripped off by the baby of the family. It's the modern equivalent of your mom helping you with identity theft so you can steal the family business and the inheritance of all of your siblings. I mean, it is a twisted story. It's wrong, and it splits this whole family right down the middle. And it starts Jacob off on a journey. A journey where he lives up to his name. Jacob's name means heel catcher, which teaches us something about his character. Jacob was a con man. It's another blank in your outline. Another way to translate his name is Chisler. If he could, given his own device, he would sit back and he would just tap away at the corners and the edges of your life so he could find out what your weaknesses were, so he could take advantage of it and somehow get some personal gain out of your loss. He was a con man. Spent his whole life ripping people off. And there's just story after story in Scripture where Jacob takes advantage of people and he lies and he cheats and he steals just to get ahead. And he so alienates himself from his family that Jacob is actually hunted by his own family. His brother and his father-in-law actually end up pursuing him and chasing him all over the countryside because he's inflicted so much pain into the family system. I hope you'll go back and read it for yourself. Some of you are going like, so... Like that's wrong when your in-laws are chasing you around the countryside trying to kill you? Like that sounds like normal operating procedure in my family, right? If you're thinking that, you're going to love this series, all right? Jacob runs and runs and runs and runs and runs and finally God himself confronts Jacob. And he goes face to face with this broken little con man. It's a famous biblical account where Jacob wrestles with God and embraces a transformation. He literally has a wrestling match with God Almighty Himself. You should read that story. For the record, if you fight with God, you lose. Let me say that another way. If you fight with God, He will win because He's God and you're not. Now the struggle's glorious, and we all struggle at some level. But Jacob actually wrestles with God. He's transformed by God. God changes his name to Israel, and yes, that's where that little country in the Middle East actually gets its name, from Joseph's dad, Jacob, whose name is changed to Israel. Jacob goes through a process, but that's exactly what it is. It's a process of transformation. Wouldn't it be nice if all of the transformation we wanted in our lives was instantaneous? Wouldn't it be nice if you could just snap your fingers and have it happen? I mean, if you wanted to transform your body, wouldn't it be cool if you could just think about it and God would give you a six-pack? I meant abs, okay? Just... (laughs) Ah, preach, yeah, there you go, All right? I mean, wouldn't it be nice if you could just think about your body transforming, but that's not the way it works, right? Now, If you want to transform your body, you've got to change your eating habits. You actually have to get off, off, off the sofa and, and move around. You actually have to take the clothes off of the treadmill you bought three years ago and get on the belt and actually move. I mean, standing there looking at the exercise equipment does not, doesn't mean anything, right? It'd be nice if transformation was instantaneous, but you actually have to go through a process. Wouldn't it be nice if you wanted to transform your finances and all you had to do was wish really, really hard and instantly. I mean, you got a raise and a car upgrade and some mysterious benefactor just shows up and pays off your mortgage. Wouldn't it be nice if you could just wish that? But that's not the way it works, right? No, if you want to transform yourself financially, I mean you've got to take some pretty drastic steps. You've got to cut up credit cards. You need to tattoo that verse from Proverbs that says, Stupid money spend their or stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. You know, and you need to tattoo it on your sliding hand. You know what I'm talking about, right? I mean you have to you have to make the decision to suffer with a thirty two inch television for one more year, right? You actually have to budget. It's a process. It would be so nice if you could just snap your fingers or or tweak your mind and suddenly there was transformation. But that's not the way it works. That's not the way it works for Jacob either. Jacob's transformed. God does the work. Changes his name to Israel. But even though God's working, Jacob gets caught up in an old cycle and an old lie. Remember how I described to you how Jacob's mother played favorites and split her family right down the middle? Jacob on one side, his brother Esau on the other. Well, Jacob's mom does it, and then Jacob does it too. He doesn't learn, he doesn't get a clue from that pain. I mean, this is the tragedy that happens when Jacob has his own family. He has boys, the Bible tells us. Lots of boys. And Jacob ends up playing favorites with his own, within his own family too. Jacob's one of those tragic dads, Jacob was one of those fathers who turned a blind eye to the pain that happened within his own family. If you read his story, rape, incest, and murder all happened with this, his family and Jacob does nothing. He does nothing. He just turns a blind eye. He makes the decision to be passive instead of active. He doesn't step into the midst of the brokenness of his family and try to bring God into the middle of it. No, he just kind of throws up his hands and is like, well, Whatever. One of the sacred and secret goals of this series is I am praying during this season that some fathers in this room who've spent way too many years being boys instead of men will man up and take their rightful place as the spiritual leader of their home. My sacred and secret hope for the men here, is that we stop playing games, that we learn from Joseph and Jacob, and that we actually take the role that we're supposed to have, which is to provide protection from our family. Because I'm going to tell you something, dads, if you're choosing to do nothing, you're choosing to do something. And you will destroy your family if you don't dive into the middle of it. The Bible says that Joseph decided to close his eyes, or Jacob decided to close his eyes to all of the devastation that was going on in his family. The only eye that was open was an eye of favoritism towards one kid named Joseph. That's why the Bible says this in Genesis 37. The Bible says Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob, and then it shifts. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers. The sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. We're going to unpack how the fact that they're actually, it's a twisted thing. His father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph. Now remember, Israel had his name changed, so who's he talking about there? Jacob, right? Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Because he'd been born to him in his old age. And he made a richly ornamented robe for him. We're going to talk about that coat next week. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Christ the King Church, meet Joseph. Now you've got a small slice of his backstory, right? You know where he came from? Well, we're going to get to know him very well in the next coming weeks. We're going to walk with him at the highest and lowest points of his life. We're going to get a front row seat in the painful process of his transformation. And we're going to base it all on one basic question. You're going to get so sick of me asking this question in the next month and a half. But I want to burn it into the the front of your cerebral cortex, okay? Here's the question. How would my life be different if I was absolutely convinced that in every moment, no matter how good or how bad, That God was with me. How would my life be different if I was just convinced to the center of my core that whether or not I got a raise or I got fired, if I was absolutely convinced that in both situations, God was with me. No matter how good it got, no matter how bad it got. How would my life be different if I was absolutely convinced at the center of my being that God was with me? That's what's coming. Let's wrap up this week with a practical moment. We're actually going to end church early this week because, not because of that, right? <laughs> but Because of something else that's going on in another room. But let's up, or wrap up with this practical moment. Jacob practiced, uh, bought and practiced a family lie, and the lie was this, that it's okay to play favorites. If you've ever lived on the other end of that, if you've actually felt like your parents favored a brother or sister more, you know the pain that that causes in your heart. Jacob's mom did it, Jacob learned the cycle, and then he passed it on to Joseph. I mean, at some point he should have learned the lesson, but he didn't. Before we judge him, let's just be honest about how we have so many opportunities to learn the lessons of the past, and we just don't. Instead, we repeat the same cycles over and over and over again and expect different results. Those of you who are my recovery brothers and sisters, what's the definition? What happens when you do the same thing over and over and over again, but you expect different results? What's it called? Insanity. If you've ever felt insane, you're going to love this series, okay? And if you go, I've never felt insane, we're going to deal with you too, okay? So... I'd like to talk to you just for a couple of minutes today about a lie that we buy. Jacob bought a lie. His mom bought a lie. Joseph ended up buying a lie. I just want to talk about a lie that we buy all of the time. In fact, I, I tell you, I, I hear this, these words from Christians so often. It just drives me crazy. But it goes like this. This is the question, or this is the lie that I hear most often from Christians. It goes like this. I can do this on my own. I don't need anybody, I'm just fine by myself. It's one of the great Christian lies, and we keep telling ourselves it's cool and it's fine, and it's no big deal, even though our Bible tells us exactly the opposite. Hebrews chapter 10, the Bible says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let's not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We keep saying, I can do this on my own, I don't need anybody else, and the Bible keeps saying, don't do that. Don't give a meeting together. Isolation is an easy habit to get into. You actually need each other. You're vulnerable when you're alone. So I need you to stick together. God keeps saying, you may not need anybody now, but they may need you. You may not need anybody now, but you might need somebody someday. So don't go off on your own. I know people are scary. It's hard to actually have community with people because people can be weird. But God keeps saying over and over again, stick together, stick together, stick together. We hear that and we just blow it off. And we buy the lie. And we say, I can do this on my own. I'm good. Just like Jacob's mom bought the lie, and Jacob bought the lie, and then Joseph bought the lie. We have an opportunity today to not buy that lie. That we can do this on our own. I run into this scenario way too often. A a family from Christ the King runs into a tragedy. And they call the church at 3 o'clock in the morning, and they're deeply disappointed that there's nobody here to answer that phone call. And they listen to the message, and the message says, if this is a life or death emergency, you need to call this number. And they call that number, and they talk to a person on the end of an answering service. And the person on the end of the answering service confirms that it's a life or death emergency, and then they call a pastor, who may or may not be able to get them to them in the midst of their tragedy, because I don't know if you know this or not, but with a church of this many thousands of people, there's not enough pastors to cover all the tragedy that happens here. It's not humanly, there's not enough flesh and blood to go around. And so they're disappointed, because they aren't able to get the response that they want or need in that instant. And they get really frustrated and they feel like nobody cares and then they write me a really, really nasty letter about how their church didn't come through for them and then I invite them to my office to have coffee so we can process that through and I ask them this question and the answer is always no. And the question is this, you in a small group, no, Have you ever followed God's command to be in community with other believers? I mean, I know you come to big church. But what about your little church? Where everybody knows your name. And everybody knows that your mom actually was sick. Because they've been praying for her every week for weeks. Have you ever made the decision to let somebody know or even register the fact that you exist here at CTK? Can I tell you the best thing about Christ the King? It's a big church. Can I tell you the worst thing about Christ the King? It's a big church. It's so easy to be lonely here. It's easy to be anonymous. If you want to play the anonymous game, this is a great place for you. You just slide in and slide out. Nobody even knows you are around. I mean, not many people walk in the door. I never did this. I didn't show up and go, Hey, Fishbook's here. No, I hid in the back row of the other room for a really long time, hoping nobody would bug me because I came and cried here every week. I know that's a surprise, but I did, okay? <laughs> no, inevitably, I, their answer is no, and then I and I apologize and I say, "I'm sorry we couldn't be there for you in the way that you wanted." But there's an answer. And you may not have a tragedy today, but I'll promise you, if you're human... Someday you're going to face one. This is my passion for the next couple of uh, months here at Christ the King. Two of them. Number one, as a church, we're going to make it really hard for people to go to hell in Whatcom County. Really, really hard, if not impossible. I'm going to preach that way. I'm going to lead that way. I'm going to pray that way. If you're not down with that, you may want to find another church, just being honest. That's one of our burning passions. Here's the second one. We're going to make it impossible for you to not have to at least ask the question, do I want to be in biblical community or not? And you can make the choice. You can say, nope, not in. I don't want anybody to have any contact with my life at all. Then I just need you to know, we will honor that decision. But when tragedy comes, I hope you'll have realistic expectations. I really do. So this is, how, this is how easy we're going to make it for you. For those of you who are watching online and those of you who are at Sun Valley, and this is going to be for the Bellingham campus. We'll have other opportunities down the road. But, uh, but we're going to have a moment where we're going to transition into a way to apply this principle so you don't buy the lie. And we're going to put real flesh and blood in front of you and have you make a really, really deep So thanks to all of you who are watching online and to those of you who are joining us at Sudden Valley. God bless you.